Russell Wilson just took another sack, and we're here to talk you through it all and everything that happened this past college football Saturday. And if you were asleep for some reason, a lot happened. It was a big week, a monumental week for this season of college football. I'm Greg Waddell. I am joined by Michael Felder, by Max Starks. Gentlemen, great to see you as always. Felder, how are you doing tonight? And I am living the dream, baby. I can't complain. We got big stuff to talk about this week. And listen, we got bounce back. We got upgrades. We got everything. Let's go. Let's get to it. Max, how are you? L- listen, uh, upsets and shoulda, coulda, wouldas um, galore from this weekend, you know, both for me because I do professional and college. So it was just a 48 hour roller coaster for me. Um, but I mean, but like you said, Saturday was like none other and it was full of excitement. I can't wait to break it down and talk more in depth about it. Yeah, I think it was the week of the year, if we're allowed to say that. That might not sound right now that I'm saying it out loud, but it was definitely... We can change it later, but for now, yes. Yeah, it was the best week of the season thus far. Big things happened. Like, this had implications for a lot of contenders. Uh, Alabama obviously being the first. We're going to talk about Alabama. We're going to talk about Tennessee and what this win and this loss means for those two programs. We're going to talk about two teams in the Big Ten who are both sitting undefeated right now, both sitting in the top four in the country. And of course they have to play at the end of the season. That's Ohio state and Michigan. Could those two teams really both make the college football playoff for the first time ever? We shall see. We'll get into it all. We're going to overreact as we always do on Mondays. And we are brought to you as always by bet rivers. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. Please click the subscribe button on the field of 12 YouTube channel. You can also listen to us on the Sirius XM app. Four nights a week, Monday through Thursday, and of course, Saturday nights after all the action. All right, boys, we start the show, as we always do, with our toasts of the week. Felder, we're going to go to you first. What do you got for your toast? Listen, I'm going to make my dad happy, okay? 47-45, the East Carolina Pirates. Oof. With the sc- with four overtimes, they had the script helmets on. They had the old school jerseys on. I got to give it to them. I got to listen. I just, that's the, that's the second place I ever saw a college football game. The first place was the Sun Bowl when we lived in New Mexico. We went down to El Paso to watch uh, the Miners play. Second place. And I saw a lot of football at Dowdy Ficklin. So I, listen, I can tell you this. It's a first down. Hi, Reds. And I'll tell you this. ECU has got the toughest midfield logo. They got the best saying, the best team slogan in the game. And then they break out the script helmet. So, you know what, guys? I got a toast for that. I got I got to. Felder, not, a huge win. Not to interrupt, but I didn't know what the slogan was. So, for anybody watching this at home that doesn't know what ECU slogan is, tell them what the slogan is. No quarter. Max, you know what no quarter means? Absolutely. I, hey, you give no quarter, you seek no quarter. Yeah. Hey. That, that's the rules of engagement, baby. <laughs> it's, it's literally that this is the only team in America that has a slogan that is, we're going to kill everybody. Slaughter. <laughs> hey, the, 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 there's pillage, there's burning, and then there's just absolute just piracy. And that is why a pirate is, is known for that type of power. So, no. I Hey, listen, that's what we said on game day when we go out as an offensive line. Hey, fellas. Seek no quarter, ask for no quarter. We don't there seek we, go. we seek victory. <laughs> wow. I love it. Like like a pirate himself, Max is very aware of no quarter. That was like the best recruiting pitch, I feel like, for ECU ever. Like, I'm in. Aesthetically, their stadium, their the field, the midfield logo, the uniforms, all that. I love it. Max, who you got for your toast? You know, I, you know, I, I got to go because obviously last week I had a great one. And I'm like, it's a week later, so let's push that aside. But you know what? I, I, I got to toast Coach Prime. I got to give this, I got to give it to primetime Dion to respond in the way after the whole Alabama state game and everything for him to come back and just continually be who he is. The man got his own 60 minute special because of somebody dissing him. And I'm just saying that that's, that that's, that's brand power. That's star power. They said, we need to talk to this man. How are you going to disrespect prime like that? So coach prime and the Jackson state boys, this one's for you because coach prime is primetime. 
There is no other coach prime. I will say that. Did you see his, no. uh, the video that went viral this week of him sort of checking his friend who was the interviewer? I love to see that. that was yeah. Awesome. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good, but then also, I mean, they made a song afterwards. Yeah. You know what I'm I am slack. I am slack. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it, yeah. it was like TikTok dance and the whole deal. Yeah, exactly. They got everything now. So yeah. <laughs> uh, one of a kind. All right. I'm a, uh, uh, in a different way, I'm about to toast to someone who is also one of a kind. I'm going to toast to a man of honor. I'm going to toast to the field of 12's own, Christian Hackenberg, because Hack and I had a little a little bet going last week, Penn State versus Michigan. I had to hear him out on why Penn State was going to win that game, why Sean Clifford was going to be the difference. Hmm. I had to try to push back here and there and say, I don't know that Sean Clifford's going to make the plays needed to beat a team with more talent on the road, yada, yada. But this isn't a victory lap, gentlemen, because the important part of this is that Christian Hackenberg opened our Saturday night show by being a man of honor, by settling his bet, by giving a fantastic toast in my honor to the Michigan Wolverines, shotgunning a beer on camera, and shout out to Trevor Knight for jumping in with him. So, Hack, I'm going to do something for you, my friend. I'm not going to shotgun a beer, but uh, I, I try to think what would Christian Hackenberg do in these shoes. I got a shot of some Tennessee whiskey right here, Hack. And this is to you, my friend, to Christian Hackenberg, a man of honor. There we go. L'chaim. Cheers. L'chaim. All right, boys. Let's well, hang, on. Well, hang on, hang on. I'm going to tell you this. You just missed some Tennessee whiskey? Guys, I'm drinking the good stuff tonight. Oh, Ooh, rare breed. Is that some wild turkey? That's rare breed, baby. <laughs> wow. Hey. So let's go. I assume yeah. you only bring that out for special occasions, fellas. And this is a special occasion because Alabama just got beat. This fits. Let's is. get right to it. Let's get right to it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you just said it word for word. Where else do you start? Alabama loses to Tennessee. Uh, I, I do want to give credit to the people on our show on Thursday who came on because as a group, three of the four of us, I believe, had Tennessee winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even college game day, you watch this. This wasn't a loss that nobody saw coming, right? It right. wasn't this crazy upset. This was a top 10 team in Tennessee at home who has a lot of juice in the program right now, but there were definitely surprising elements of that game. For example, how many penalties Alabama racked up, how undisciplined that team looked at times. Uh, And the fact that even with Bryce Young looking very damn good for the entirety of that game, that still was not enough to overcome Tennessee. So being that it is overreaction Monday, I insisted we have this overreaction. I'm excited for this, Felder. The Nick Saban era as we know it, is officially over. True or false, Michael Felder? False. Come on, baby. Okay. Okay. Uh, I was leaning in for that one. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going false. Here's the thing. Saban is still the best that's ever done it. He's the best to ever do it. The big thing for me, and this is the reason why I'm saying false, I understand. There is a blueprint, but this blueprint has existed. We can go all the way back to Steven Garcia, Alshon Jeffrey. The blueprint has existed for how to beat him. Mm-hmm. We can go to Laquan Tread, Laquan Treadwell, and 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 and, and um, this, yeah. You what's his name? Clemson transfer, um, Shotgun Kelly, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we can go yeah. to them. Yeah, we can go to Johnny Manziel and Mike Evans. The blueprint exists. The problem is everybody don't have this blueprint. No, and every, not everybody it. can get the blueprint. I think that's exactly. the other thing. Because it's the talent along with the system that is going to beat Alabama. And when you think about Josh Hyper, when you run them guys where they look like they're going to grab water during the game, <laughs> like, uh, oh, no, he's lining up. No, he's standing exactly this far inside of the, the boundary line. And then he might motion in five feet that makes it look like where it was supposed to be. And you have to declare and make those decisions. Yes, you got the yes, you have the athletes, but now you've taken that phone booth and said you got to block the field. Here, go out in this cornfield. I need you to cut all the corn cornfield down. Well, here's the thing, and this is this is why I wanted to ask you, Max. I wrote this down because I wanted to ask you this. We got eleven defenders, right? Yep. They take two and two, two by two, but they put that two by two out by the numbers. Mm-hmm. So you have corner, corner, safety, money, safety, five guys eliminated. Yeah. Now, I want you to think about this as an offensive lineman. So you got five guys that have to cover the pass for those four guys. 
Mm-hmm. Then you take that running back and move instead of max protect, you move that running back around. Mm-hmm. And so he's out in the pattern. So another somebody's got to go with him. Yeah, you're not gonna leave him alone. They got six guys that got a six six defenders that have to worry about the pass. They have to worry about what they're gonna do. That leaves five guys. That's five on five. Five for you and five for you. Except Hooker can run. Hooker is a running back. <laughs> he can move. So yeah. now it's six on five. If you're if you you playing offensive line, how does that make you feel? That makes you feel more comfortable, right? Hey, listen, we were talking about the ECU Pirates, right? Yeah. It's time to go burn. It's time to go yeah. pillage, right? <laughs> we're going to route these dudes. And that's exactly what you do in that situation. That's what makes Josh Hyper says. So you don't have enough guys. You can go to CFL, you might be able to get away with it. Uh, you get the extra defender, you got guys running. Yeah, you can put some extra guys, but in the college game, the yeah. discipline, it's like going up against a triple option, right? right? Like whatever direction we're going, you don't have enough people at the point of attack at the end of the day. Right. The same thing here. Because I'm stretching you all the way out, how are you going to try and disguise dropping in the box right. when you've got a dude that's about 25 feet out and he's running a streak route? Nope. No, thank you. I got to run out there. So it was just, it was one of those things where you really saw the athletes of Alabama test. And then you add the lack of discipline on top of it, which wasn't crazy because it was Tennessee. This has been bleeding through since Texas. It was never hammered out. And so it came to a head because you got a team that's running really fast. So guess what you're going to do when you're tired? You're going to revert back to the stuff that you feel Mm -hmm. most comfortable with. Exactly. stupid, Stupid stuff. And that's yeah. what they did. They were tired because they you were do what's easy. Yeah, you do what's easy. You do what's comfortable. You're going to get lazy. And that's exactly what they did. And, I mean, it was crazy to watch, man. It was it was a crazy game. I, I'll never forget. I was sitting at Patrons up in Wexford and, P, and, 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 and Wexford, PA. <laughs> I'm at Patrons having, having, having a little Mexican uh, fiesta for dinner with my friends. And we're watching the game because I had Pittsburgh the next day. So, and I was just like, I told him at pregame, I'm like, they're going to win. Now, this orange isn't for Tennessee, just in case we want it. This is just – this is a Florida orange still. I know it looks kind of <laughs> – but, I mean, I, I was rooting for them. I wanted to see them succeed because those boys went out there, and, and they did it. They did it. I mean, think about this. Incoming freshmen and a first-semester freshman right now never saw Tennessee beat Bama in their lifetime. Right. In their lifetime. So. Yeah. This is a that was a momentous moment and they they deserved it, man. Them boy, them boys have been cooking. Great. I, I gotta give it, I know I gotta give it back to you, but I was just hey, the only thing I was gonna say, did you think it was gonna take 50 points? Because I felt at halftime it was gonna take 50 points. Me personally, yeah, I think I think two drives into the game, it certainly felt that way, right? I think I at one point from the field of 12 Twitter account, I'm running the socials on Saturday afternoon. I had a tweet typed up that I almost sent out that was like damn, Tennessee's making the Alabama defense look like the Oklahoma defense right now. And I stopped myself from saying it because there are lines that have to be drawn. But, like, did that not feel at times like we're watching a Big 12 football game? Like, it it felt like it was going to get there. All of football is the Big 12. All of it is. If you've got a quarterback that's any good. All of football is the Big 12 if you've got a quarterback that's any good. It's some wide receivers that have taken one acting class. (laughs) I mean, listen, but I mean, but he ain't lying. I mean, because what are teams all trying to get to? They're all trying to get back to that art browse run and shoot style yep. of football. That's what yeah. people don't either have the experience or have the athletes to accomplish Bingo. that. And I think that's where people cut. Oh my gosh, what is this? This ain't nothing different. Like, nope. They was doing this in the 90s, and you were talking about how bad Big 12 defenses were. Jerry Glanville was doing this with the Falcons. Yeah, exactly. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, what, what, what is this? No, this is what it looks like when you have high-level athletes running this type of system. It's just you didn't know what the Big 12 athletes were, so you're like, oh, this must all be bad. But no, now you see it in the SEC, and when you have better athletes, you can absolutely torch folks. Um, yes. and, that, and that's what Josh Heupel's doing. And I'm not a Heupel disciple, but I will say I'm starting to believe. Heupel disciple. <laughs> wow. Max with the line of the night already. Uh, look, so here's why I keep nitpicking with 
this with Bama, though, because you guys have done two or three of these shows with me in the past, past few weeks. Yeah. So I've, on, I've thrown overreactions at you, and I think we've talked to Alabama every single week. And I think up until now, you guys rightfully have shut me down every time I tease anything, <laughs> like, is there something wrong here? But, like, at what point are we going to acknowledge this team is actually susceptible to this happening again? And I get Tennessee's the best team this team's going to play this year. That's for sure. But we better be real thankful. Nick Saban better be real thankful that they snuck by Texas and that they snuck by Texas A&M because otherwise they're already out of the playoff at that point. If one play goes wrong in one of those two games, right? He likes that. The A&M in the Texas game, he likes that. Those are games in the 20s. He can live with that. He likes it because he knows one play, my guys are good for a play. But if we got to do 75, 85 plays and we got to put the pressure on them, again, we mentioned Treadwell, we mentioned Evans, we mentioned Alshon Jeffrey, we mentioned these guys, right? What Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams and Clemson was able to do, we mentioned all this stuff. That's the part that scares him. Because in the A&M game, in the Texas game, he didn't have to respond. He had to hold water. Max, come, you get you tell you tell me what you think. Like I, that's what I think. He likes that. Yeah, he he loves the low scoring games because right because one play can change your fortunes. And but, he has that one play, and he he he'll dial it up I'm, just like the Bryce Young shimmy in Texas, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like they'll pull out that one the, play that the Clemson the complexion. Yeah, the Clemson the, Clem, the Clemson game where he was gonna. He did. He knew he couldn't give Deshaun Watson the ball back, so he had an onside kick dialed up mm-hmm. to make sure yeah. that Deshaun Watson didn't get the football back. Because he's yeah. like, we can't stop him. Yeah, exactly. And that's what was indicative of this one. You say, okay, what are the tenets on what Alabama needs to do to win this game? Rush the football. Possess longer than the other team. Yep. And then put points on the board. They did all three of those things, and they still lost. Bingo. And they didn't – and it wasn't like, ah, 31 to 29. They held the ball for 37 minutes. Yep. 37 that, – It was 49 I, to 49. I'm like, you had – they told you, you have to score better than 50 points to beat Tennessee. If they would have told him that, he would have been like, you're absolutely crazy. Yes. <laughs> and then what happened? You had to score more than 52 points to beat Tennessee, and you did not want Hendon Hooker getting the ball back, and yep. he got the ball back, and they took it down the field and kicked the field goal to win it. Yep. Um, it was just that for as advanced as and evolved as Nick Saban is, he does not like 40-point games. He doesn't like unless it. Unless he's handing out a check. To he a can do it, but he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it, yeah. He's going to do it, and you've got the athletes that can turn it on when you need to. But when you know you have to, not want to, have to do it, that's when you see Nick Saban start to get a little frazzled. He squirms. Yeah, he squirms. He's irritable on the sidelines more than normal. And it's nerve-wracking because you know that one play can change the whole forces of them getting over the hump. So does that say just so much about Tennessee then, though, that it was because this essentially what you guys are telling me, this game was played on Tennessee's terms. Right. And there's not many teams in the country who can make Alabama play on their terms. Tennessee did that and Alabama helped them do that with all the penalties. And I think that's a lingering problem. I don't know that that's necessarily going to it's not going to be that bad, but I think that's something that could come back to bite them. But the other thing that struck me that falls in line with saying Tennessee made them play on their terms, watching this game, just from an eye test, I can't remember a time really in the last 10 years under Saban where I felt like the other team athletically and speed-wise and strength-wise was holding their own with Bama. And look, Bryce Young was knocked on the ground a ton in this game. I don't remember an Alabama quarterback being touched the way that the Tennessee pass rush got there. Is that wrong, Felder? Come on. I mean, we watched the Clemson game that was 44 to 16, right? Yeah. Okay, so once? I mean. Where, but hang on. But a game where Dabo Swinney, not only, like, he stunted on them, like, where he 
he called the same play that Alabama called and they scored a touchdown on it when they shut down Alabama. Like that, that, that was the, one of the biggest flexes in college football history, like the shovel pass. Like he's yeah. like, Oh, we'll run this too. And just so you know, we'll, we'll score. And we've already shut you down on this, but there's that. There's also, I mean, the games against Georgia LSU. Game last so what? Game last year. Georgia game, yes. The Georgia, the Georgia National Championship game. Yeah, right? the National Championship game, yeah. They punched so, him. So not, they to punched. not to interrupt, but those, so those two teams, though, were title teams, teams that you would point to and say, that's the best. What a segue, my man. But I guess because that's sort of what I'm picking at here, right, is if, if, if our conclusion from this game is just Tennessee is that good, I can buy it. If our conclusion from this game is – now, Tennessee is like the fourth best team in the country, and they just did that to Alabama. That says something about where the Saban era as it is ends, right? Because the only teams who have done this are the best team in the country, the three times under Saban that it hasn't been an Alabama team. So that's where I'm lost on Tennessee is like, is Max, Tennessee you, that good? You want to, you go. Yeah, you want me to no, go? So, so you go. think about this. We've had, we've had multiple times throughout Saban's history where he did not make the CFP, right? Yes. So there's obviously had to have been teams that came in and showed that their metal to make sure you knew that they were good. And we talked about those old Miss teams that came in, the Bingo. Auburn teams that came in Nick and, Marshall. and shocked the world. Yep. Um, this is this is where we're at. I think this is when you're talking about if I find a crack, you got to take it and you got to get gone. Tennessee found that crack Bingo. in this team because this team. Although battered from last year, they think they're better than they are. They think they can still show up and show out and not be disciplined. And Saban's just sitting there like, okay. You got to learn your lesson. You got to learn your lesson. I've got plenty of titles. Y'all don't. So he will sit through and he will wait this out for this year. And if it means they're not in it this year, guess what? He's now got his rallying crowd and his boosters to get more money. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So. Nick Saban is always thinking about how this is going to fit. He's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. Everybody's trying to get the immediate win and fix. He's like, no, I need to set this up for the next 10 years because we were starting to lose a little bit in NIL. So I don't mind this being as bad as it is. And especially with there's pieces I don't like, guess what? Woo! Transfer portal. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got plenty of kids that want to come here. So I don't care about a year. I want a dynasty. And so for us, it's like when you get that crack, you got to take it. Whatever school you are, if you're Georgia, if you're Tennessee, or you're Ohio State or Michigan, this is that year where you're like, okay, it's a free for all at that. But I do think Tennessee is a, a hell of a team that is going to shock a lot of people. And it would not surprise me if they're one of the top seeds by the end of the year in the college football playoff. I, I, I think that they, it's, it's scary. The scary thing for me, like I think about it the way we think about boxing, right? Like, yeah, I don't know if you guys are you guys boxing fans at all. Like, I, I mean, historically, yes. I mean, I can't tell you anybody right now. Neither could I. I couldn't tell you either. But it, yeah. but I think about it like when you go back, whether it's Ken Norton or Muhammad Ali or Foreman or whoever, yeah. it's about matchups. Mm-hmm. Tennessee is a bad matchup for Alabama. I would here's I'll be honest with you, and this isn't me being a homer. Tennessee against UNC is probably a game that Tennessee doesn't want to play. Because UNC is just like, we don't care about defense at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you want to do? You want to score 64? Let's all score 64. Who cares? <laughs> and yeah. I think that's the problem. And that's the part where you you got to it, Max, where Saban is like, he still wants his defense to stand up and puff their chest out. But Tennessee mm-hmm. makes them vulnerable. And that's why I'm worried about this Ole Miss game because that's the game that if you got a game on your calendar, you circle the Ole Miss game. Obviously, you you put a you put an asterisk next to the Mississippi State game, but you circle that Ole Miss game because Jackson Dart and the way that they run the ball but also push vertical is going to be a problem. And that's the part where people don't matchups matter. You can have all the talent in the world. But if you you're not going to out Alabama, Alabama, no, you have to do something different and they do something different. And that's the part that's scary. I think about it with Georgia as well. Think about Georgia and Kent State. 
Georgia with Mizzou. Mizzou pushing wide and going vertical, and they found success. They don't like it. Saban doesn't like it. Kirby Smart doesn't like it. You go to the NFL, Belichick doesn't like it. No, and that's what I was going to say. Ole Miss is the one where you're talking about knocking them out and giving them the death blow for this year in the CFP. That could be it. That's going to be that's going to be the death nail game. Yeah. And then also the reason why Tennessee is going to beat Georgia. Yes, I said it. Y'all can go ahead time stamp it. My man. Tennessee will beat Georgia when they play because Georgia, unlike Alabama, they're not going to score definitely, 49. Definitely can't score points. I don't care how many times you hand it off to Brock Bowers on a, on a, on a tight end jet sweep, you know, because that, because Kent state and everybody, and Mizzou showed you what the formula is. Dude, I told you what the formula is. How does no one realize that between Brock Bowers and Michael Mayer, how do they not realize that's the best player on the team? We should know where he is every snap. Every snap. And then his pressure relief valve, McConkie, is the other one. You take those two out the game, Dunzo. That's your production. Yeah. And Destin Bennett, yes, he can run and he surprised us at 5'11, 190. <laughs> he ain't running like Hendon Hooker. No. He ain't running like Bryce Young. Absolutely not. Walk out there one time and think, you know what? I'm gonna get this boot out on Will Anderson, and guess what? You will get you will bang, get bang. face. <laughs> hey, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> hey, this is a family show, Max. Okay? Stand, hey, you, know, hey, you want to see an inanimate object? <laughs> Stand by me. Good lord! Uh, all right, let's wrap up the Tennessee segment because you're right, Felder. I did sort of segue quickly into that to not even get a, a, a hardcore overreaction with Tennessee, but I think we've sufficiently covered. How yeah, I love them. Uh, They're good. Yeah. So let, let's leave this segment with this: As of today, is Hendon Hooker the Heisman favorite? Yes or no, Max? Yes. You, you you take this first. You say yes, no brainer. Absolutely, no questions asked. And when we get to three stars, I'll explain it a little bit better, too. <laughs> I want to get the three stars. I'm going to say he's number two. I still think C.J. Stroud, Stroud is at the top. Again, what a segue from Felder, because we're about to talk C.J. Stroud. In <laughs> uh, real quick, though, if you are in favor of Hendon Hooker for Heisman, you can go buy a shirt that says that you are in favor of Hendon Hooker for Heisman. You can do that at fieldof68.shop. That is the official Hendon Hooker, Heisman shirt, Heisman with a five for the S. We sold a bunch of them over the weekend. Tennessee fans are all over them. Get them while you can, fieldof68.shop. Okay, let's move to the Big Ten. Again, if you're watching this on YouTube, we appreciate you. Subscribe, get in the comments. How do you feel about Michigan State? We're not going to talk Michigan State, Felder. We're going to talk the teams that are winning games in the Big Ten right now, okay? I'm a big, I'm a conference guy, Okay. We did get a win, though. Shout out Jaden Reed, 50-50 balls. Those are more like 90-10 when Jaden Reed's involved. But uh, Ohio State and Michigan, okay? These teams are on a collision course, as they often are. But Michigan blows out Penn State. Yes, it was a game at halftime. It was a game on the scoreboard. If you look at the numbers behind that, Michigan had outgained them about 250 to 10, I think, at halftime. Somehow Penn State found themselves in a close game. J.J. McCarthy threw a pick six. They were right there until they were not in the second half when Michigan pulled away. Ohio State was on bye last week. They play Iowa next week. I would expect quite a few punts in that game from the Hawkeyes, and I would expect quite a few points from the Buckeyes. But the point is, right now these two teams are in the top four in the AP poll. And the results of this past week have really opened the door for a legitimate chance for both of these teams to make the college football playoff. Yes, one of them has to lose. But if we have an 11-0 versus 11-0 in the final week of the season, and it's a close game, and one of these teams loses, can both of these teams make the playoff? Or better yet, will they both make the playoff? Felder, what do you think? Uh, I think it depends on what happens in the SEC, obviously, and what happens with TCU. But at the end of the day, I – is is Michigan good? Oh, come I mean, on, Max. Come on. I, come I mean, on. I mean, my thing is, is that until proven different, we've got to assume Michigan is for real because they're doing it. And here's the thing: it's not those 10-6 games, right? It's not like watching 
Iowa play every week, right? They're actually putting 40-plus points up. They're, yeah, but now, did you see what those 40 points look like? Yeah, exactly. Blake Corum, who I would have picked as my skill guy for like the third out of the last six weeks. Sure. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, this kid – this kid is the workhorse of workhorses. Listen, if I found a mule half he's, as good, listen, I would uh, What's his name to play for the Steelers and then went to the Jets? That Mark D'Antonio ran into the ground hard. Le'Veon. Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon. Yeah. yeah. He's doing the same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, he's doing the same thing. Yeah. With a few, a few less hurdles good. involved. I, I was in school when Le'Veon Bell was in school. There were quite a few hurdles weekly there. I haven't seen from Blake Corum. But oh, anyway. I'm Greg. I'm young. <laughs> no Michigan, Michigan State stuff here from me, Felder. Look, I look, I do feel obligated to at least push you back on this idea of who have they beat, right? Because it's, I heard all of this last week, but that, that's not it. It's not about who have they beat. It's about how they win football games. And if you're going to get to a point, because listen, we just spent we just spent 25 minutes talking about Alabama, yeah, in a loss, but they scored 49 points against a comparable opponent in a way where they had to score 49 points. Michigan this year, how many times have they had to score 40? They got 40 points because the other team laid down. Same thing happened the other what was it last week with Indiana. Yeah, uh, you get well. It's thirty-one ten. Yeah, yeah, but close enough. You're right. But they, those other teams, laid out, and like you can beat them into submission, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, who's going to do it? Who's who's going to do it on the, the only person on their schedule is Ohio State. That's it. That's so, the only. Team. They'll be undefeated going into that game. Yeah. So, and then you and you know, I mean, you look at it and you're like, well, this is the way the schedule fell. So. A one-loss, say it's a one-loss Michigan. Let's just say Ohio State beats Michigan. Let's just yes. run. Let's run the analysis. Okay, and you know what? Let's add the back the next part in too because we got to add. Let's add okay. it all together, right? Okay, yeah. So let's. So we have Ohio State undefeated. Undefeated. One-loss Michigan. One-loss Michigan. Got it. We get Tennessee. Maybe Tennessee does lose to Georgia. Okay. Tennessee Tennessee, Georgia. One loss Tennessee. But they're not in the championship game. Not in the championship game. Yeah. Georgia undefeated loses Georgia. to Alabama. Yeah. Alabama wins the championship game. Okay. So we got five undefeated teams from the Big Ten and the SEC. Well, no, that'd be three one-loss teams. Three, 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 yeah. yeah, three not undefeated. Loss, five, two undefeated and three one-loss teams. Three one-losses. And that's without excluding – that's not including – TCU – Still, yeah. Still, Still undefeated. undefeated. Clemson. Clemson, yeah. Undefeated. And maybe US, maybe USC, maybe One Oregon. USC. Well, they lost to Utah. Yeah, yeah. I mean. They lost to Utah, which we haven't even got to, but we'll we talk about that in that. a second. I, Greg, I'm not trying to hijack No, anything. you're, you're just, good. So I'll, I'll give you the scenario just to – because we're, we're going to do – spoiler alert. We're going to do oh, SEC, okay. SEC <laughs> scenarios in our next segment here. We're going okay. to twist this and play scenario game twice. But the scenario for Michigan and Ohio State, to me, and I'm just one man, but the scenario would be one team gets in from the SEC. They essentially need Tennessee or Georgia at this point to run the table, right? They, I think it's more likely it's Georgia. But whoever wins that game between Tennessee and Georgia, they need that team to then beat whoever they play in the SEC title game, which we know who they're going to play. Alabama. But if yeah, there's exactly. if there's a two loss Alabama team, they're and, out. And a one loss Tennessee or Georgia, then the the undefeated Tennessee or Georgia is in. I'm going to go ahead and assume Clemson's in as an ACC favorite because the committee's not going to put four teams from two conferences in. That would be disaster, especially if there's <laughs> a, like that would that would be too chaotic until they expand, right? So realistically, yeah. it would be one loss Georgia or Tennessee. Versus one loss, Michigan, depending on how that looks to Ohio State. And I think, let's just say it's Tennessee. Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama's now lost to both. Georgia's in. Are they really putting a one loss Tennessee in who beat Alabama, who loses yeah. at that point over Michigan losing? I don't think so. Are they both? But the thing is, is are they both going to get in? 
Michigan and Ohio State? I think they would, yeah. No, 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 no. Tennessee and Michigan in that scenario. No, no, no. It would be Clemson. It would be Georgia at undefeated. It would be Ohio State, and Michigan would be the four to me. If they lose a close game to – Over Tennessee. Over one over, loss Tennessee, yeah. Over one loss and Tennessee. see, that's that's – what about an undefeated TCU? Well, I don't think that's going to happen is my answer. But. <laughs> or what about a one-loss USC that, that wins the Pac-12 championship? I think SC's done themselves in personally. Yeah, if, I mean, if this scenario – if there's if there's a Big Ten team that just loses to Ohio State and an SEC team that just loses to the champ, like USC's resume just can't compete with that at this point, right? A loss to Utah looks worse. Man, no. I, right. can, we, can we talk about the USC thing? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I went through an existential crisis about Utah after they lost the UCLA. And I was like, did I overrate them preseason? What did I do? Did I mess up? Like, how bad did I do this? And then Saturday night happens. And I'm like, this is the team I was talking about the whole time. Come on. No, but here's the thing. We talked about it in the previous segments, right? Matchups. Yes. What does UCLA and Chip Kelly do? And they run that bar. That guy, right? Yeah. I saw him last year when they absolutely murdered USC Mm -hmm. in the Coliseum. Mm -hmm. That was that was boys in the hood style, right? It was tough. It was was tough. So Ricky, yeah, Ricky, no, yeah. but but here's the thing. What happened to Utah when they went down to Florida? They got right. manhandled. They got manhandled, and they, did you they notice the size difference? Huh? You notice the size difference? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things that Utah is good and built to be the bully when everything's all equal. Yes. When you got guys that move just a little bit different, yeah, and they're a little bit bigger. <laughs> they put the paws on them. <laughs> They put paws on you. Uh, you start. You start to flinch. You start. Okay. Oh. 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 You. Oh. You just snapping your fingers. I thought you was trying to punch me in the face. You know. <laughs> that's just. That's just what happened. And so it was a bad matchup. But the U. That USC team. Oh, they were right. They were cocky. They're already a little bit smaller, faster. They want to. They want to look cute. They want to position block. Yep. Utah said nope. Bring the hammer to a, to a, to a nail contest. Yeah, and that's what they did, and that and that's why it was a better matchup for Utah against USC versus UCLA. Yeah, Greg, get it? No, I want to hear what you thought. You watched the game. What did you think? I mean, I I said this to our lovely producer team behind the scenes while we were waiting for the show to start tonight. But I actually I've been skeptical of USC all season. Anyone who's listened to me on the Best Best Show knows that. I've just had this gut feeling about this team that they were going to lose a game no one saw coming. The thing for me is I swung opposite. I thought USC was going to win this game because everyone saw this one coming. They were three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Like, a lot of people thought they were going to lose this game to Utah. Yeah. And I weirdly come away from this loss more confident in USC than I've ever been, and I don't know why. I can't point my finger at it because – they essentially lost in a fashion I could see them losing. Like they just can't stop somebody. And I didn't see that being this Utah team. I think Cam Rising was fantastic, but uh, look, he's uh, rising's been very good his whole career, but you saw it in the Florida game, Max, like in a big moment, he's made a mistake that's cost them games that didn't happen in this USC game. And I do think Utah is very good. Like, I think they're tough for all the reasons we love Utah. We've talked about them on this show for over a year now. We call them the biker gang. So none of that's lost on me. And the fact that maybe, like, in a weird way, I think this refocuses this USC group that I never saw going through the season skating through undefeated. But if they were going to lose a game, maybe this is the one to lose before they have to play some of the other big games that are still on that schedule. And I still think they're the most talented team in that conference, bar none. So maybe it galvanizes them. Maybe they go run the table from here. And then to your point, they're right back in the playoff conversation a month from now. So I, I, for me, I think this is the game that breaks their confidence a little bit because they have been so supremely talented. And as you mentioned, they're the most talented team in the league. 
So you go to somewhere where you know you have better players. You know that your guys are bigger, faster, stronger. And what do they do? They wrestle you down to the ground. They make you play in the mud. And it should have happened against Oregon State. I will say this. I, it sh- Oregon State's a team that should have beat USC. That should have been their first L on, in the, on their schedule. But yeah. it's the same type thing where they wrestle you down and make you play in the mud. Utah finally got the job done. And you, this is a Utah team. Obviously, we've talked about this a million times. And I can't let it go because I, I, I put my hat on Utah early preseason and was like, this team, they're a playoff team. They're going to get it done. And then they lose to Florida. And I, they're, every day they wake up and they're like, um, oh, we got – oh, YouTube chat asking how many – you know what? I'm pivoting. Pivot. How many points would how many points would Tennessee score against UGA? Let's go. Let's you know what? Let's do it. I you know what? I think they scored 46. Dang it, I was gonna pick 45. <laughs> Don't you price it right, me. Dang it. But I I, I honestly we'll I find out in two weeks though. Yeah, we'll find out in two weeks, but I think 45. I think yeah. I think they have 45 on. What do you think, Greg? I just that. Like, I want to believe that. I love this Tennessee. That's so many points, fellas, against the champs, against the team with the crown right now. They're not the same. It's not the same team. You know where those guys are in the NFL? They're in the pros. Yeah. 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 Hey, they're playing for the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. That's that's where they're at right now. You want to know two or three? Huh? Three of them. Three Three of them, them. yeah. One of them can't even get on the field yet. (laughs) (laughs) I think think they score 46 points. Like, they – this is a team. The things that Tennessee does, and that's the part I don't think people understand, is they force it. And we, Clint Sterner was on the show, right? And he was talking about it where, as a quarterback, it makes you feel more comfortable when you take your guys, you spread them out, safeties have to move, these guys have to move. And, Max, you said the same thing where they have to decide what they're going to do and so we take five guys out. We move a running back. We take another guy out. Now it's five on five with a guy who can run. Listen, when you go to a buffet, you want to see multiple stations so you can pick out your food, right? Yeah. Imagine you go to a hundred item buffet and they're like, okay, we're going to cram it all into here. Yeah. Right. That That's what defenses love that, right? You're just getting that's stuff. Put the quarterback. But when you spread everything out, I can see that's a carving station. That's a salad bar. That that's the barbecue. You can pick it out. You feel more comfortable about walking up there with your plate. Yeah. So that's what Tennessee forces you to do. You got to make you make a choice. And you have to make a choice. What am I going to do? Am I going to try and defend the mobile quarterback who's probably going to hit a a quick hitter to the outside on on a bubble screen? Or if I do drop that guy, now we have to play spy. And my spy with that slot lined up an extra five yards out can't spy. Because you can't play between – you can't serve two masters. You can't play the run on yep. the RPO and then play the pass behind it. Like you're going to – like what – like I'll tell you this. Philadelphia did it last night to Michael Parsons. Yes. In the Dallas game. He for, they forced Michael Parsons to make a decision. Are you going to drop or are you going to rush? And you're going to be wrong either way. It's so – that's – I just don't see – Georgia doesn't have those dogs like that anymore. Now, if you ask me this against last year's Georgia team, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they were just going to go beat everybody up. And throw and and, th- and throw them to the ground. They didn't care. So and they had it right, right here too. They oh, had it all had. right here. It was all what, right here. What but this, this sounds like. Yeah. What this sounds like to me. I don't want to put words in the two of your mouths, but I'm going to do that. Okay. Okay. What it sounds like is you're telling me Tennessee is bar none the best team in college football. Is that what we're saying? I think that they are one of the toughest matchups in college football. I do not think they're the best team. Not man, not man for man, not skill for skill. Their scheme makes them the t- one of the toughest teams in college football. Yes, their scheme until you can crack that code or you have the athletes that can that can mitigate that. Like with a good pass rush, that would probably be your best bet to have just a manimal on the uh, on the inside and and on the outside. You know like, what I would? You know what I would love to see? I'd love to. See, here's what I'd love. I would love. 2021 Cincinnati against Tennessee because they played exclusively man coverage and they didn't care about any of that other stuff. 
Nope. Georgia doesn't do that. Alabama doesn't do that. Nope. But a team that play a team that has Kobe Bryant, Sauce Gardner, Deshaun Pace, plus Brian, Brian Cook playing exclusively man coverage, they don't have to worry you about out. you spreading them out. Then you have my Jay Sanders coming off the end, plus Beavers in the middle. That's what I would love to see. I love that. I love that right there. That is tremendous to pull that one up because that's exactly what you need. You need a man covered team and a team that knows how to operate exclusively in man. Because right. now it, if you take a body on a body, it's over with. <laughs> right. It, it, the, the only other team I could think of was Oklahoma State from last year, too. Yeah. yeah. They played yeah. cover zero. They yeah, played they cover didn't. zero all year. And it's like, this is sick. Like, what so are you doing? Who because is, they're psychos. Who in this year, if anyone, maybe the answer is no one, but who in the quote unquote contender tier? that Tennessee would see on their way to a national championship appearance this year would fall into that same category of problematic matchup. Is there anybody? The, the easy answer is Ohio State, right? Because they have Knowles from Oklahoma State. Well, and, and, well, and I mean, and, and they have the five stars to match up, right? Bingo. And they play a pro style that you could say, hey, we're running one all day, right? Yeah. Hey, I'm going to give you hey, – here's your, here's your assignment. Go clock in. That's it. Don't ask me for anything else. Don't look to the sideline. Don't tap your helmet. You got that guy. Your whole day is this. (laughs) Yeah, your whole day is this as a secondary. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's probably the only one I can think of that would match up with them on the current one is that Ohio State has the athletes to match up. Plus, they have the pass rush to go with playing man-to-man. Right. That's the other thing. Because you might have the corners, but if you don't have the pass rush – that's when Hidden Hooker starts to do do his do. Yes. And loosen you up to where you're starting to creep a guy into the box to take off of your man responsibility to make that foolish decision to play zone. Which leads to, oh, you're, oh, you're playing zone? Okay, cool. Because he'll just sit down right here and yeah. boom, there we go. That's a first down. And guess what? This is a first down. And it's like, Oprah, you get a first down and you get a first down and you get a first down and you get a first RPO, down. RPO, RPO. I want to test that guy that has to make a decision. Yeah. Contain or drop back. Contain or drop back. And you never are right. Whatever nope. decision you make, you put that guy in a quandary and you put him in a phone booth. There we go. All right. So uh, while we're still bemoaning Tennessee here, right? We never, <laughs> we, we never, we never did the, the scenario that I talked about. The same thing we did with Ohio State and Michigan where we hypothesize could both of these teams really make it. This gets a little crazier. It feels like this this Monday show is on crack at this point. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Can three (laughs) SEC teams make the college football playoff? Obviously that's, that's Bama, that's Georgia, that's Tennessee. Yeah. Is, is there, I think there's a, there is a scenario to play the game Felder. The, The scenario would be that Alabama finishes with one loss and they win the SEC title. Georgia finishes with one loss after beating Tennessee and losing Bama to Alabama. Yeah. So okay. you've essentially got Bama beats Georgia, Georgia beats Tennessee, Tennessee beats Bama. At that point, what do you do if you're the committee? I mean, you've got to, I would think you've got to pick two, but if it's just one loss teams everywhere, if there's only one undefeated team elsewhere, let's say it's Ohio State. Let's say TCU loses a game somewhere. Let's say Clemson loses a game somewhere. Out, they're out, they're out. And then you throw Ohio State in and put those other three in. All three will make it. You really think that's a possibility? Yeah. As long as as you beat Michigan handedly, that's the other thing. Because if it comes down to a three-point game, it might go two and two. Guys, this could get so messy. I'm here for the drama. I mean, here's here's the scary thing, though. And this is this is something I've thought about a lot. Um, just as someone who's worked in this space, going through realignment, going back to like 2010, 2011, whatever it is. And Ohio State's going to get the Michigan market. Clemson, Bama. Um, Clemson, Bama. What did I do? Did I did I unhook something? No. Okay. Clemson, Bama, Clemson, Bama, and Georgia, they're all the same market, too. Yeah. In theory, you want to get something else. 
Well, you want something West. But you don't get that. You're no. like, nobody's going to be like, it's not, I don't know. So like for me, I think about it. It's just like, you don't, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Like it's. Well, and TCU's not, even if TCU did go undefeated, it's not a big enough draw within the Texas markets. Right. To move the needle. TCU is what? They're the, what are they? The fourth place team in Texas? I, yeah, I, I'd argue fourth. They're fighting with Baylor. Right. Or yeah. I was going to say they're fighting with Houston. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. There you go. So, so that's one. I mean, you needed USC to be perfect. In a perfect world, yeah. USC can carry everything west of the Mississippi. Bingo. That's what you need. At you least need. west of Texas. West, Yeah, west of Texas. They can carry it solo dolo. But once you lost them, it was like, okay, well, well what are we scrambling for? Right, because UCLA can't carry that. No, they're they're second in their own city. Then you look at even Oregon State. It has to be Oregon now. Yeah, and that's only because of branding at night. But it can't be Oregon because the way they got beat down. Yeah, they got and they got beat down by Ohio State. So no, they got beat down by Georgia. By Georgia, they got beat down by Georgia. So they'll they, they lost at week one, and that's your next best market choice. So. After that, it kind of has to stay homogenous on the East Coast. Yeah, you have to stay east of the Mississippi um, for these because that's where it's, that's where it's pointing to. Yeah. Outside of TCU, what else do we have west of the Mississippi? Everybody else, UCLA, UCLA. Yeah, huh? UCLA. yeah, but USC UCLA is going to come down to uh, the end of the year rivalry game. Right, and I, I, I like UCLA. I, I think they're a good team. I think they're a tough team. I know we haven't talked about them a ton, but they're a good So that, They won't go undefeated, though. I don't think they go undefeated. I don't think they will either, but if they do, they have to be in. Like, they made this agreement, the five guys plus Swarbrick from um, Notre Dame, they made an agreement, like, if my team's undefeated, they got to go. Oh, can I give you? Can I give you guys the absolute doom day scenario for the yes. college football playoff right oh, now? Yes, that, just imagine this for me, real quick. Oh, this is going to be yeah. really bad. I can the, tell already. The scenario we just said, where all three SEC teams end up with one loss, happens. Bama, Georgia, okay. Tennessee all finish one loss. Then you've got UCLA runs the table, wins the Pac-12 undefeated. TCU runs the table, wins the Big 12 undefeated. Clemson runs the table, wins the ACC, undefeated. Ohio State wins the Big Ten, runs the table, undefeated. What the hell does the playoff do? Does it snub the SEC and give four undefeated conference champions from around the country that are smaller market programs but good football teams? Does it give four undefeated teams those four spots and snub the SEC? TCU gets bumped. (laughs) And a one-loss SEC champion team gets in. Yeah, I that, yeah, I think UCLA no gets bumped. You would think UCLA over TCU undefeated? I think that I mean I just I think there's so much. I I think that there 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 are too many people that aren't watching the Pac-12. Okay, don't tell Yogi Roth that for the record. No, no, no. I will tell Yogi Roth that because he and I agree. He'll like, agree. Yeah, he'll agree. You you should be watching these football games. They're good. But I think it's, I think it's, I think, oh, I, let me, let me put it this way. If we, if we, if you, the three of us got into a car and we drove down, devil went down to Georgia, right? Yeah. Looking for a soul to steal. If we asked them to name a player that wasn't DTR on UCLA's team, do you think they could do it? No, absolutely not. Okay. But they also couldn't do that for TCU as well. No, you're right. Right, yeah. they can it outside of Matt. No, 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 no. They would, okay. Johnston is a beast. John, but we're talking about Georgia folk. You're right, true. I was about to say, <laughs> hey, hey, like we would know driving down there. Uh, you're saying go ask Jim Bob to go. <laughs> First of all, I don't tell you where TCU is on the map. He can tell you that's, where LA is. That's a great point. And you know what? You yeah. win because you're correct. There are people that don't know where TCU is. Yeah, exactly. And my other thing is, I think because you have USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten, that's yeah. why I think 
Big Ten folks in that alliance you're talking about. So that counts for them. That counts for them. It makes them look better because guess what? When you start expansions and everything else, hey, we had another team that was in the playoff. Yep. We got UCLA as a playoff team along with Michigan and and, and uh, Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep. You're, that's so, a good, you, you, you're right. You're right. You're completely correct. Yeah. So that's why I think TCU gets bumped. I uh, I just can't wait to see how this plays out because, yeah. honestly, the results from this past week now open the door for chaos. And as a college yes. football fan, like, that's all you can ask for, whether you're from the West Coast, whether you want that Pac-12 team to get in, whether you're from the SEC, whether you're Jim Bob himself and you're like, give me four yeah. SEC teams. Anything yeah. is on the table right now. And I could not be more excited to see how it plays out. All right, we got four minutes left in the show. Again, if you're watching us on YouTube, we love you. Thanks for popping off in the comments. Click subscribe while you're here. If you're listening to us, you can do so on the SiriusXM app four nights a week, Monday through Thursday, and then Saturdays as well for our special show after all the games are done. We're going to do our three stars. Each of us has picked a quarterback, a skill guy, and a defender from this past weekend that was that we want to give a special shout out to. Let's go Felder, then Max, then me in order. We'll do our quarterbacks first. Felder, who you got? I'm going Bryce Young. I know he lost the football. I know that his team lost the football game. They didn't lose it because of him. Bryce Young, 455 yards passing, coming off a sprained AC joint. Come on, man. Max, who you got? I'm going with the guy that that absolutely sent him that 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 to that, to that <laughs> loss. I'm going, I called him Triple H, Heisman Hinden Hooker. Ooh. Okay. Because what he did with his legs through the air diced up that Alabama defense and made Will Anderson look like he was a bystander at certain points. Yes. I mean, it was it was tremendous that you lose your, your top left tackles not even playing in this game, and it didn't matter for Tennessee, right? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that's where I think Hendon Hooker, dude, you've done it week after week after week after week, and you did it at the biggest moment against Alabama. So – Hendon Hooker's my my quarterback. Who you who you got? Go get yourself a Hendon Hooker shirt. Field of 68. Shop, by the way. Hendon Hooker for Heisman. I'm going Cam Rising. Uh, I think I said word for word, and I quote, Cam Rising is not that dude less than a week ago on this show. That's me questioning not necessarily his physical ability, but some of the stuff in here. That's on me. Totally wrong. Five touchdowns later. Uh, 475 total yards, three on the ground, two in the air. This man went toe-to-toe, took Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison's best punch and matched it and had the big drive and the two-point conversion when it mattered. Uh, I'm wildly impressed with Cam Rising. All right, let's go to our skill guys. Felder, who's your skill guy? One, I love that you're giving Cam Rising his propers. He deserves them. We stand at, we stand at Cam King. Um, but I will say this, my skill guy, six catches. 207 yards. Jalen Hyatt. Are you kidding me, baby? Those are insane numbers. How did you? Listen, here's the thing. He did it to Alabama. And that's the part. I don't care if you're Kool-Aid. I don't care if you're Brian Branch. I don't care who you are. He did it to you, baby. You couldn't stop him. No, absolutely not. I'm going to take it Big Ten style. And this is the one that people are going to be excited about. I got to give it, I got to give it the hard hat, the lunch pail, the overalls, a hammer in those carpenter jeans, that little loop that we never knew what it yeah, was back in the 90s when we was wearing Did them. Did you not know what that was for? Because that was <laughs> clearly a hammer loop. First of all, I'm from the South, but, <laughs> I'm a kid, but I'm a city kid. So I didn't know what the hell that was. You know what I used to do? I used to put my, I used to put my little my little house key on the little carabiner and clip it on there. I had no different. I didn't find out till I was like 16 years old working with my uncle as a contractor that that's where you put hammers when you're climbing up oh ladder. Oh my okay? god, I love this. So I never knew that. So, but the guy that does that, Chase Brown of Illinois, 41 yes. carries, 180 yards, and he rode his own boat over rode the boat Minnesota for the ranked fighting Illini in that game. I thought that, that was just, it was just a lunch pail performance, man. I mean, when you get yeah. 4.4 per and you toting it 40-plus times, dude, get it. Yeah, uh, that's a bad man. Trevor Chase likes that one. Trevor yeah. loves that one. Uh, all right, I'm sticking in the Big Ten. I'm following another Big Ten running back. We've gone collectively, Max, back and forth on Blake Corum for about five <laughs> weeks running at this point. Good, this time, I'm going with his backfield mate, though. 
who actually led Michigan oh, yeah. rushing this game. Donovan Edwards is a name to remember. 16 carries, 173 yards, two touchdowns. He broke a 67-yard run in this game. And while uh, I think after the game, Blake Corum said in the post-game interview, he likes to call them lightning and lightning. Man, uh, look, I, Blake Corum's great. Imagine what Donovan Edwards will do at some point when he is the featured back the same way Blake Corum is. It could be big. Let's go to defense. We got 60 seconds left. Felder, who you got? All right, I'm going quick. I'm going to Fresno State. Four sacks, five tackles for loss. I'm going David Perales. I mean, this is a guy – Fresno State needed to win in a bad way. This is a team that had only won one game leading up to San Jose State. They finally get a dub here. I'm going with him. They they needed this one in a big way, and he helped them get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Jamoy Hodge, TCUC. I can name a second person from TCU. Told you. Um, just, I mean, at linebacker position, eight tackles, had a big sack in the game. I thought that that was a great one. So, yes, I will – Give you the double horn. <laughs> All right, I'm going to to the horns. The horns up. Texas survives against Iowa State, and Jalen Ford recovered two fumbles in that game, led the Longhorns in tackles, including the big fumble recovery that ended up swinging that game when Iowa yeah. State was in position to score. Yeah, yeah. He dives on the ball, a big hit. Uh, they survive, and that's enough for me. They're still in the conversation in the Big 12. Uh, and, gentlemen, this was a very, very fun show. Thank you both for being here. We love doing this every Monday night for our overreactions. Uh, for Michael Felder, for Max Starks, I am Greg Waddell, and we will see you back here tomorrow night on the Field of 12 After Dark.